0: And welcome to another episode of Fully Scored. And we're coming to you live today uh, for the first ever time. So a very, very exciting episode we have for you today. And in today's episode, we're going to be joined by two guests. Uh, We're going to have a musical analysis of a piece of music which we hope will be really prominent at this moment in time by Paul Sharman. And we're also going to be joined by Nick Simmons-Smith from the other side of the pond. So welcome, Nick, to the podcast.
1: Thanks very much. Excited to be here and congratulations on a, a great podcast so far.
0: Great, thank you. And on a scale of 1 to 10, how nervous are you feeling about <laughs> this? <laughs> oh, about a 9. Great, I'll, I'll beat that on 9.5. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, let's get started. So, first of all, let's get to know you. So, could you tell us a bit about where you were born and where you first
1: grew up? Yeah, I was born in Chelmsford, Essex. Uh, She's just outside of London, really, and uh, grew up there my whole life uh, until I uh, went to college and then uh, moved over to the States later on. Right, And I should say, uh, throughout this
0: episode, if anyone has any questions, uh, please do put those in the comments and we'll try and answer as many as we can near the end of the episode. Uh, Unfortunately, we can't promise to answer all the questions, but we'll try and do our best for most of them. So back to the questions so you said you were born in Essex what was the best thing about growing up in Essex? <laughs> uh,
1: many things wonderful place to grow up uh, it's it's close to London to get in and uh, far enough out that you're not you know in, in the big smoke so um, I, I enjoyed growing up in Chelmsford it was a beautiful part of the world. Great and maybe I'm not sure if this is going to be a more
0: challenging or slightly more easy question. What was the worst thing about growing
1: up? That's hard to answer, but I think Essex people get saddled with a bit of a rough uh, reputation. Um, Maybe that was, uh, you know, there's not many great historical landmarks or wonderful things in Essex or, or things of great beauty. uh, But I certainly enjoyed growing up there and I was very happy.
0: Yet there may be soon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So now
0: moving on to, uh, your background with the Salvation Army. Can you remember your first contact with the Salvation
1: Army? Well, I grew up in the Army, Uh, I was fourth generation. So uh, my uh, great grandfather was saved when he was in a pub and he was drinking something that wasn't orange juice. And the Salvation Army band marched past the pub and they marched past backwards, uh, which is really unique actually. And the reason they did that was purely to attract attention and um, my great-grandfather followed the band back to the Salvation Army Corps and was gloriously saved, became a brigadier, and then his son was my grandfather, his daughter was my mum, so it's all traced back to that uh, moment, Uh, and I have a newspaper clipping explaining exactly what happened that day, so it really did happen, they marched backwards.
0: What an amazing story, and I'm sure if uh, our Salvation Army brass band started marching backwards it would certainly cause a (laughs) when everyone is piled on top of
1: each other. (laughs) It's a struggle to march forwards these days, but uh, I I can appreciate what they were trying to do.
0: Absolutely. And do you think that we should bring back marching backwards?
1: No, I I think that would be a bad idea. But I really believe that uh, there's an opportunity, perhaps in these days, to get back out into the open air and do some of that again while we're trying to get out of this virtual world that we've been living in. So maybe, maybe. Bring back backwards. (laughs) Or not. Okay, so what motivated you to
0: learn to play an instrument?
1: Well, my dad was a, a good musician, he was a trombone player and a conductor, and uh, my grandfather was a good musician, played a little bit of flugelhorn and various other instruments in the band, and uh, that kind of motivated me. But also the core that I grew up in, it was a good family core, but it had good music sections. So it was just the thing you did when you were six and a half, you went to learners and you went through the YP band. In those days, it was all boys um, but we had about 30 boys in the YP band and it was just great fun. I found that uh, I could play a little bit and uh, enjoyed it. It was something that became reasonably easy, I suppose. And um, and then I had more experiences uh, outside of the army as well, uh, playing at, at music schools and, and in school and, and some musical theatre uh, things too. So um, it was just a great experience growing up uh, both in the army and outside. Brilliant to hear. And did you attend many musicals when you were here in the UK? Yeah, well, I used to play, uh, you know, at regional, like in South End that have shows, and it would be uh, 42nd Street or Annie Get Your Gun or Pirates of Penzance and in Chelmsford too. and it was a little bit of money while I was, uh, you know, in college and just before and just after. So I enjoyed that, and it was really good for my sight reading, to read jazz charts and, and to sight read. And being a trombone player, I was usually just about late to every show and running on as the curtain was going up and uh, but I, I kind of loved that uh, part of it but not as much as I loved uh, growing up in the in the core and the army music. Great
0: thank you and uh, as I said in the introduction you're now living the other side of the pond as it's affectionately known a rather large pond um, when did you move to the USA?
1: Yeah I moved in 1998 uh, was when I first came out here And uh, I came back in 2002 and uh, was a high school teacher uh, for a year and a half and came back home, which was really beautiful uh, to be able to do that, have that opportunity. And then I got to come back and uh, meet my wife, get married and settle here. And uh, I was glad that I had that opportunity uh, both to come and also to go back and experience a bit of home before I came back out for good.
0: Great. And why did you uh, decide to move across the pond in the first place?
1: Yeah, when I graduated uh, music college, I uh, studied with Michael Clack, actually, and uh, Kevin Larson was my roommate, but we, we don't talk about it. Um, when I uh, graduated, I wanted to do music publishing, typesetting, editing, and I really didn't want to teach. I was adamant about it. And I know if you don't want to teach, you really shouldn't. You need to feel a sort of calling towards that. So I saw an advertisement in The uh, Salvationist. Jim Anderson was the DMD in Texas. He was hiring a team. And asked me to come out. I really wanted to travel, and um, and I music was came naturally to me, so I, I just did it. I can't believe I did, but I think my second week on the job, we toured Brazil, third week we went to Mexico, and then we were straight into this camp season, and I just loved every minute of it. Right. what an induction? Yeah it was wonderful oh.
0: Sorry, <laughs> it was a bit of a delay. I don't want to talk, over you. <laughs> So uh, your role now is the USA's Southern Territorial Music and Creative Arts Secretary. Could you tell us a bit about what this job involves?
1: Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's a wonderful job. It's a real privilege, I should say. I have a team of seven people who are just uh, brilliant, fantastic Salvationists. And we cover uh, the territory in support uh, for uh, brass music, choral music, worship team music, dance, drama, um, the whole gamut of things to support worship, basically. And our department uh, is responsible for event planning. Many, many events throughout the year that we're planning. Uh, the education of musicians and artists. Uh, we publish music. We record music. Uh, we provide resources for the core, training, advice, vision. It's a very, very busy department, but uh, we, we all love what we do. And uh, we have I have a great team. And if anything good has come out of the territory, it's because of the wonderful team that I have working for me
0: brilliant to hear and have you got a favorite part of the job
1: <laughs> uh, I, I love playing uh leading the territorial band uh i certainly enjoy that and uh, have uh, the territorial band is unique in that it's, it's like a staff band but it only comes together three times a year uh, so although they're absolutely fine musicians uh we come in on a, a wednesday night rehearse all day thursday all day friday then do ministry it's just a different approach to putting a band together and, and, and getting them to gel as quickly as you possibly can. I love that. They're my friends. I really enjoy that. But equally, when you're teaching a beginner, you know, how to play a D and the light bulb goes off and they can do it. I was just doing it last night online with my beginners at the core. Uh, I think that gives me as much satisfaction as anything. Great to
0: hear. Now, as a as a boy that grew up in little... Uh, little city of Norwich, I find it quite hard to comprehend the scale of the USA and particularly the territory you work in. It's absolutely enormous. Could you tell us about where it stands
1: from and to? Yeah, I mean, it, it is huge. If you consider one of our divisions, uh, uh, one of our states, of uh, there's 15 states in our territory, one of those is Texas, and that's three times the size of the United Kingdom. Uh, So it stretches from Texas out in the west uh, down to uh, Florida through Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana. Uh, I'm in Georgia uh, going north of the Carolinas. And then you have uh, Maryland, Virginia, West Virginia, uh, uh, Washington, D.C., Kentucky, Tennessee, Oklahoma, Arkansas. So it's a it's really the southeast portion of the United States. But it it is massive. I, I drove to a core member's house the other day to pick up a mask she'd made for me. And it took me about 40 minutes to get there. And I thought if I was in England, I would have driven past, I don't know, 10 or 15 core in that amount of time. So everything is just uh, spread out. When I when I first went to Texas, uh, we would go on a you know drive six hours and teach the C scale and then stay in a hotel and then drive another four hours and teach the C scale and then, you know, then come back home. It's just it's just a different way of, uh, of living and traveling.
0: So do you have to regularly uh, travel to all the different parts of the territory on a day-to-day basis?
1: Not not day-to-day. Now I'm in uh, THQ. It's much more administration. Um, but when I can get out, I love to escape the prison that is THQ and get out in the real world, if you know what I mean. Um, and of course, everywhere you go, you pretty much have to fly. Uh, even if I was to go uh, to uh, Tampa, Florida, which is the next state from Georgia, to the south that's seven hours in the car so by the time you've hopped on a plane and, and got off it's about the same time so uh, when we meet as a territorial band everybody is flying in so you can appreciate the expense uh, but also you know uh, how you bring people together who live just miles and miles apart it's just a different different way of life but i should say that every city and they call every town here a city uh, has a core uh, in it so you know everyone's represented the i have about 400 A Salvation Army Corps or units in the Southern Territory, I think. I hope I'm getting that right. So
0: it must be a real logistical nightmare to get everyone flying in. I don't know if the flights in the US are anything like here, but do you have to leave an extra day for people to get there just in case they're delayed or cancelled?
1: Just occasionally, if we were rehearsing at noon someone would come in you'd have to come in the night before but usually we start at nine o'clock in the morning so everyone comes in the night before and and invariably there are delays and uh, it just causes havoc but you know and, and maybe the flights are a little bit cheaper out here but of course in the time that we've just been experiencing we, i've not been doing any travel and nobody has so it's just a different world we're living in right now absolutely and um
0: I know we've focused on some of the projects that you you do as part of your role, but could you tell us about some of the specific projects you're working on currently?
1: Yeah, well, we're about to publish our American Instrumental Ensemble series, and that's a four part series with an optional fifth. That's the difference from Unity series. Uh, And that gets 16 charts a year come out and they're real short uh, pieces and they're graded. So a band knows if they're like a grade two band, they know exactly what they're getting. And there are certain limitations for the composer to write. Uh, those are coming out in, in the next day or two. I'm really excited about that. Uh, and with that is the demonstration recording. And we have viola parts and parts for cellos and everything that you could imagine in that series. So that's kind of a, a big thing for us. Uh, we're trying to plan virtual summer camps. Uh, in the States, we have, uh, certainly in this territory, we have four to five-week summer conservatories. So the kids come residentially. They don't go home. They stay for four to five weeks to learn music. Um, and uh, we've been planning that. because we, in many places, they just cannot meet this year. So we're trying to do things online and, and try to do them virtually. And uh, on our big music camp uh, for the territory it's called TMI, and we're planning that along similar lines. That comes later this year. And we're trying to do commissioning in a few weeks. Uh, we don't know whether that's going to be in person or virtually or how that's going to work yet. So there's always a lot going on in the music department, always incredibly busy, uh, but uh, it's, it's, it's good work. And I should say there's one project that I'm really excited about is uh, a replacement for the old Ba Masters Correspondence Course. I don't know if you remember that, but it's probably the generation before me that that went through that. And they used to write to England and get notes back and then they would pass and get a certificate we're trying to replicate that in all different disciplines, dance, drama, uh, singing company, beginner band, uh, brass, choral, uh, and do that online. And we're doing that in partnership with the other uh, four uh, North American territories. So we're really excited about that. It'll be an online course that's really easy to access. And we'll really help uh, our leaders that sometimes, you know, it's a bit of a struggle to, to get that uh, leadership education at the core level. So we hope that that will come out very soon. We're pretty excited about that.
0: Right. Really look forward to seeing those resources and the uh, and the implications that they have. That sounds fantastic. You mentioned about the music camps. They're four to five weeks away from home. That's <laughs> a long time without any sleep.
1: <laughs> it is. The, the funny thing is, if you think about uh, the summer in the States, my kids uh, break up from school in three days time. Uh, so they're done in the middle of May and they, they won't go back to August. Uh, so it's a long summer and, of course, it's very hot in the south. So we're used to taking a break at this time. So, you you know, parents, uh, families are not going to go on vacation for three months. So actually four weeks is just part of their summer and they're just used to it. And I have to say, I think it's played a big part in the development of musicians in our territory uh, and the growth of brass bands and, and creative arts and in every facet, really, we've been growing. And I think it's down to that. 25, 30 year investment in that program each summer.
0: Brilliant, and that's great to hear that the, the program's uh, developing and growing. What do you think could be the, the main cause for this this uh, growth that you're seeing?
1: Uh, I think the world is getting smaller and that's been, you know, I think there were marked differences between the Salvation Army that I met in America in 98 uh, and the one I left and now where we're at 20 years later. I think it's much similar. Um, I think our kids are heavily involved in in, uh, band camp at school. And I'm thinking about my school experience. It was uh, my school orchestra was like 13 clarinets of three flutes of viola and I played tuba. And it was done after school and it was done voluntarily for no credit. Uh, My son has just signed up for middle school band and there's 300 in his band. Uh, And he's going to go to a, a lesson of band every day at school during the day. So it's a different approach, uh, really, to to learning music, Um, uh, you know, and sometimes we have to unpick a little bit of that work, to be honest, because uh, often they tend to learn pieces when they're doing these wonderful marching displays. They're learning a piece rather than learning how to play. So uh, for my background, coming from Salvation Army hymn tunes, we have to do a lot of teaching on, you know, can you sight read and can you gel and where is that warmth of sound rather than just being technically proficient.
0: Yeah, and that leads really nicely onto my next question. So uh, clearly, there's a, a large difference between the education system in the US and UK. But as someone that's been part of both uh, British style brass band and American style brass band, what would you say the main differences are uh, between these? And what
1: do you think both bands could learn from each other? That's a great question and I'm going to tread carefully here for, uh, I don't want a diplomatic incident when I offend two wonderful nations. Uh, But I should say that uh, certainly the way we learn music is different. Um, And I mean, I grew up going to three meetings on a Sunday, two Sunday schools, two open airs, uh, and we had a roast dinner. Uh, And now most core over here are just one meeting on a Sunday and maybe one, maybe two nights in the week, whereas I was at the Sahuish Army every night of the week. So there are a number of subtle differences, but I should say over the last twenty years, uh, the differences between the brass bands have become less and less. Uh, we've seen tremendous growth in the brass band movement inside the Salvation Army and outside in the United States, and people have come across like David Childs or Jim Gurley and really helped that. Uh, and uh, the competition is getting better, and uh, for the outside bands and the Salvation Army bands are just getting better. I, I'm thinking about uh, my TMI band has got better every year. Uh, so if, if you really want to pin me down on what the differences are, of course, uh, if you're not used to playing uh, a tenor horn, if you're an outside band, often they're a converted French horn player. Uh, Tubers are a little bit different. They're not used to E flat and B flat. Uh, so you have to do a bit of work. And I would say sometimes we're a little bit brighter in our sound here uh, in terms of particularly the top end cornets. So you have to mellow that and darken that as much as you can because they're heavily influenced by trumpet uh, playing over here. I'd say that was... Kind of the difference in terms of what we can learn from each other you know plenty always whenever we get together there's things that we can learn I'm always looking for that warm uh, rich sound uh, that, and of course in the army we get to play so many hymn tunes it's so helpful uh, but really narrowing in on that sound is what I would would want uh, our bands to appreciate from the, from the UK. Right. Thanks
0: for your insight there. Now, perhaps a slightly more nerdy question, and moving away from traditional Salvation Army banding here, but the Southern States where you work uh, have a huge, have had a huge uh, worldwide influence in the development and creation of jazz music. Um, is this influence uh, still an impact still seen today in the music that you're making?
1: I think it probably is. I'm, I'm trying to think in terms of a Salvation Army core. Uh, maybe it isn't. Uh, but I'd say that if you really pushed me, I would say the folk I know a little bit more at ease in the swing idiom. I know brass bands really don't do a good job of playing swing just in general, but I'd say we probably have a little bit more advantage here. I've got some fine players that can swing and improvise in my territorial band uh, who do a fantastic job. Um, but I don't know if there's a strong connection with um, uh, the jazz music of our uh, area as, uh, in terms of the brass bands over here, but I think it helps us. I mean, something like spiritual to the bone had a profound impact on me uh, when that came out and it just was a different sound to me. And I think back in the day um, when I listened to my my British brass band, my my core band, and then I came over to America and started hearing the sounds of uh, Bill Himes, Stephen Buller, Jim Kerno, it had a more of a, not a wind band sound, but it used like glockenspiel in a march. And I thought, oh my goodness, uh, I've never heard that before. And I think these influences, now that the world is smaller, uh, are diminishing.
0: Brilliant. So the next question is focusing a little bit more on yourself. And um, we you had joined us a few weeks ago uh, for our YP band. We've been having some Zoom chats with our YP band and having guest speakers on. We've just finished one before this with Dorothy, uh, Dorothy Gates, which is fantastic as right. well. Um, and one of the pieces that we play as a YP band is your arrangement of the Avengers theme tune, <laughs> goes down so well with the YP band and we love playing it which is great. So I want to ask you um, why do you think it is important for Salvation Army bands to play arrangements of secular music too?
1: Yeah I mean there's there's three reasons I write. Usually someone's asked me to do something uh, or there's an event coming up and I know I have to do something but thirdly I write because I want music to be fun and I'm really thinking about 15 to 25 year olds in my territory. So if I can keep them uh, coming back to the core once they've completed college, I think we've got them, maybe for life. You know, then they'll have children and then it'll keep on going. Uh, but we lose a lot of young people, 16, 17, 18, or particularly when they go to college. So I'm always trying to make my music fun. And there are plenty of fabulous composers that write serious pieces that challenge. Uh, so I tried to focus in on what will people enjoy playing? Because I had such a great time in my core and I had a fantastic YP band leader. Uh, who really poured into me fantastic senior band and just great people and I want that for my uh, folks so I often write something that I think will be fun um, to play and to listen to and honestly even our territorial band uh, have used the Avengers just in the open air just to attract people because I think you know makes people stop and listen and then you can give them a bit of just as I am or whatever it might be uh, to really uh, focus in on but I'd say that I try to write music that's fun. I I don't have a lot of time to write and and I'm more definitely more of an arranger than a a composer. But when I do have time, uh, I do enjoy writing something that I think will be fun.
0: Brilliant stuff. And now we're going to move on to our next part of the interview, which is some quick fire questions. Oh dear. My first uh, quick fire question for you is maybe quite a challenging one, but who is your favourite Salvation Army composer?
1: Well, it's a tough one to narrow down. I think if you pushed me, I'd say uh, Les Condon. Great. And have you got a favourite piece that he wrote? Uh, Many, but if you ask me for one, I'd say The Present Age. I think it has everything. It has drama. It has uh, frivolity. It has that moment that kind of hangs on the cliff edge. Deny thee, never. Um, and it's just masterfully written and really was ahead of its time. And I just, I love it. Absolutely. Would you say that was your favorite all time brass band piece? Or? Oh, Matthew. No, yeah. I, it's so hard to think. It depends what mood I'm in. But I think I would probably say just as I am, just because it speaks to me on many levels as a composer, as, a, as spiritually uh, challenges me. And it's just, so well written. I think Just As I Am would be my all time favourite. Amazing music. Um, have you got a favourite state? <laughs> oh, um, probably Hawaii. Oh, I was actually looking okay.
0: for states in gas, uh, solid or liquid. <laughs> Not <really.
1: laughs> I had my honeymoon in Hawaii, so special memories. Great. Um, you've got a double barrelled surname. Oh, if you have goodness. A favourite part. Which would it be? My middle name is David, and that was my father's name. It's my stepdad's name too. Um, so I think I mean, I like it all. My grandfather was a Simmons, my dad was a Smith. And uh, I was just delighted to honor both of them by having both names. I was the first Simmons Smith, but now there are four plus two guinea pigs. It's st- one
0: step uh, to conquering the world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you got a favorite president?
1: Yes, uh, oh goodness, now all my friends are watching this. Um, I like Jimmy Carter, but I liked him after he was president. Uh, he wasn't very effective, but uh, he's a real uh, Sunday school teacher and just a, he came from Georgia, he's a peanut farmer. And uh, I thought he's a really nice man.
0: What's the best city you've ever visited?
1: I like uh, Rio de Janeiro, it's beautiful. Fantastic. Um, Have you got a favourite fast food restaurant? (laughs) I don't know if this counts, but there's a place called Panda Express, which is Chinese. Uh, So it is fast. You can drive through. And my son and I like to go there. In fact, it's his birthday tomorrow. And his one request uh, is to go to Panda Express. So we're going to do it.
0: Fantastic. And when you say drive through, I definitely recommend stopping.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Um, Football or soccer? I uh, I like them both but I you know I grew up uh, loving soccer but I also love cricket so I don't know I love I love a lot of sport
0: well you must have read my mind because my next question was baseball or cricket
1: oh it's cricket I think about cricket so much just as I'm walking around it's uh, you know I really do I do love cricket but uh, my team my soccer team is Everton and my football team are the Cowboys and my baseball team are the Texas Rangers
0: Right. And I have to say, I know nothing about English football, let alone American football, so I'm not basketball.
1: (laughs) Fair enough. Um, In your opinion, what's the worst animal? I think wasps are a bit annoying. You know, I don't want to be stung by them. Yeah, I'd say wasps. Fair play. Um, If you had to name
0: a dog right now, this second, what would you call it? Roger. Great.
1: Have you got a favourite symphony? Symphony, mm. yes. Um, I would say uh, I quite like Ch- Chike Five. V. Uh, no, I'd say Shostakovich, uh, nine, probably. Mm.
0: Great, both good choices. And now uh, flipping to the other side of music, have you got a favorite jazz artist?
1: <laughs> uh, I like Jamie Cullum, because uh, you know I, just, I like piano music. So if you include Jamie as jazz, he's kind of, uh, does a little bit of that. I like Jamie. Great. Right.
0: If you had to have one brass instrument wiped from the face of the earth permanently, what would it be?
1: <laughs> oh, I'm going to upset a lot of people. But uh, I think we could all live without the baritone, couldn't we? Well, you hear, heard it here first.
0: <laughs> um, uh. Now, we don't often get into serious political debate on this podcast. But oh, my goodness. Today, um, we're going to. Um who do you think would win in an arm wrestle between, between Donald Trump
1: and Boris Johnson? Oh, I think uh, Donald would. I think Donald would say he's, you know, it's brilliant, it's great. And uh, Boris would probably be waffling a bit. So, I, you know, I don't have an opinion on either people, but uh, I imagine the Donald would have that one.
0: Right. Maybe if we do another live episode of the podcast, we'll, uh, we'll ask them to join us and see who wins.
1: <laughs> Social I love
0: it. <laughs> um, if you had to have one superpower, what would it be?
1: I'd like to go back, into to- back in time. I love history. And I'd like to revisit, really, uh, times of my life. I'd love to do that.
0: Oh, but a very profound answer there. And my final quickfire question. Hallelujah. What is the square root of 88?
1: Um, uh, 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 four.
0: Uh, not quite. It's nine point three eight. 9.380. Right. That, was, that was my next guess. So unfortunately, you uh, you now have to leave because you got that wrong.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, Matthew. Appreciate it. <laughs>
0: uh, we really enjoyed the interview. Thank you for your time. It's been great. And if you stick around, we'll be putting you to the test in <laughs> mastermind at the end of this episode. It doesn't get better than that. <laughs> um, and now we're going to move on to our next segment of the podcast. And we're going to be joined by... Uh, Paul Sharman who's going to be talking us through one of his pieces that he's, uh, he wrote a few years ago and we hope that this piece is going to be particularly prevalent in this time and the piece of music we're going to be looking at is Everlasting Hope. So first of all Paul thank you ever so much for joining us. Matthew good to be here.
2: And yeah, second,
0: second trip to Fully Scored. Absolutely. It's great to have you back. And we had, of course, in our, oh, it's just my memory now. And I think of our second or third, <laughs> yeah. third, 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 third. episode, third.
2: Yeah.
0: We, we had you on for an interview. So it is great to have one of the Fully School family back, back with us. So as mm-hmm. I said, uh, we're going to be uh, doing an analysis of Everlasting Hope. Now, before we start to look at the music, could you tell us a bit about the context of the piece?
2: Yeah, the piece was written um, at the request of Gavin Lamplough, who's the bandmaster at Birmingham Citadel. Uh, Birmingham was my home core um, and he he wanted a piece for the 120th, I think it was, um, um, anniversary concert. Um, And the idea for the piece was, as well as a a piece for the band, would be a tribute to Gavin's father, Graham Lamplough, uh, who had been the bandmaster before him um, and very sadly had been very ill and and had died um, not long before the concert um, um, was due to be played, due to be, uh, due to be um, yeah, the concert was on. And um, the idea was when Graham was very ill, when people were visiting him in hospital, um, the one line he used to say to them was, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. That was what Graham would say Um was always the reaction to people um, visiting him that God gave him strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. So Gavin wanted a piece that would um, encapsulate that really. So using um, little phrases of greatest Thy faithfulness but mainly taking the four bars um, from the verse um, that that, that gave those words. Brilliant.
0: And uh, if we now start to look at the music. uh, First of all we have the introduction. Could you talk us through the idea of this introduction?
2: Yes. Yeah, so the, the, the idea of the introduction. The first the first two bars are a quote from from Great Is Thy Faithfulness that comes actually right at the end of the um, of the melody um, of Great Is Thy Faithfulness. So you that rising and falling, um, Great Is Thy Faithfulness. Then that comes again. The idea behind this, as we'll hear later on, is while we're focusing on strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow, actually it's bookended by the fact that God's faithfulness is there all the time. So you've got, Grace as thy like faithfulness, that little quote there, which then is repeated, and we'll hear at the end, the same thing comes again. Um, so while we're talking about God is with us today, God gives us hope for tomorrow, actually his faithfulness is with us all the time. So that was the idea of using that to get that in people's minds right at the start. Um, and then that introduction flows through um, and leads us into the original melody that we have at letter A. Um, And I think we're going to hear that, um, the the melody at A now. You you hear there, that phrase is just taken in that 24-bar melody there. Um, 16 of the bars are really derived from that one um, line of verse and then just sort of playing around with it a little bit so that you get an original melody on the whole, but it it does sound like something else that you've heard because you are associating it with those words. And it was very much um, that line that I wanted to hang the piece on um so yeah this this phrase really if we're taking the piecing stages this is the um strength for today section if you like throughout this and, and that melody um really tries to encapsulate that at this point great
0: and beautifully profound music and uh, if anyone is interested the recording that we're using is the birmingham sizzle band recording of course it was written for recorded in 2014 I think one of my first things with the band I think that was and also uh, if you do wish to follow along a score at home uh, in the future you can download the score from the Salvation Army Music Index and there is a code I believe for a discount on that if you wish to study this music as well so we've just heard section A Uh, now we move into section B could you tell us a little bit about what happens here uh, in section B
2: yes so um as I've said, the piece was, it is split up into sections and it was a piece for Birmingham Citadel Band and about Birmingham Citadel Band as well as being a tribute to Graham. And the idea at, at, at section B, we've moved in from the strength for today's section and, and, and letter B really is looking backwards a little bit, looking those that have um, gone before um, in the band, uh, members of the band that have built it up to what it is today. Um, and obviously now within that, we include, we include Graham um as somebody that had put so much into the band and uh, and this was what we're looking at at letter b and if you look at the flugel line here at, at section b um again it just looks like a um just those fists going up but actually what what the idea there is that I, that is actually the the last post um put into the minor key um and put across the bar in 3 4 so those five Those first four bars in section B are actually the last post in in concert C minor, um, which so we we, we're looking backwards, we're looking back um, to those that have gone before, and then to even um, emphasise that even further, the next bar, so bar five, where the euphonium and the flugelhorn come in, um, that is um, a quote from sine nomine, so for all the saints who from their labours rest again quite well disguised and probably without knowing that you wouldn't automatically pick it up But it was there because we're looking at at, at those people um, that had gone before and I think it's worth saying that I think in the initial discussions about the piece there was perhaps talk of uh, multimedia photographs going going up above it and and at that point whereas section A was the strength of today looking at the band today section B is very much looking back at those that have gone before Right,
0: and let's have a listen to
2: section B now.
0: So that leads us into section C and we have a key change there. Could you talk us through what happened in this
2: section? In section C, this is really, it's a transitional um, point in the piece, both, both for the key and also if we're looking at the theme of the piece, it's taking us from today, from the past, and it's taking us in forward into the future. So section C takes on the rhythm of, of what we've had in the trombones at section B, so we have that in the cornets, and then we have the euphonium on the high um, solo line there, which is, again, the reference to, to the main theme. Um, that we have there, and then the horn takes that over. Um, but that, the rhythm is supposed to be, again, pushing us forward, pushing us into, into the future. Um, and again, with that in mind, um, if you look at the trombone and the euphoniums, uh, four bars before section D, um, that again there is a very old well disguised um, version of, we'll keep the old flag flying. Um, so we'll keep the old flag flying. So there, we, we, we're looking at people into the future. We've had in, in the past, and, and the current band, and, and the young people's band, are going to take this into the future. So we have. Um, we'll keep the old flag. Fl- we'll keep the old flag flying. And then the two bars before section D, again well dis- disguised, is. On we march with the blood and the fire, da-da-dee, da-da-dee, da-da-dee. Um, which is taking us forward. And at this point, it feels like we're just going to rest back into the key of, um, of concert B-flat, or concert A-flat. And in fact, what we do there in that modulation, or lack of modulation, really, it steps up into section D into concert B-flat. Um, and again, the, the reason for that is that sudden step and that lift It gives us that hope, I think, um, hope when you hear the music that it it builds us to there, you think you're going and actually it lifts. And it's that, oh, it's that moment where you think, oh, we're going somewhere here. And it is very much um, taking us into the future Mm -hmm. and and that bright hope that we have for the future. Again, if we were looking at what would have been on the screen, um, I was thinking here, this is the YP band. This is those taking us forward into the future. Great, thank you. And as you said,
0: then we're lifted into this key change um, in the score we marked Grandioso at D. Could you talk us through what happens in this section?
2: Well, se- section D really is, it, it's the um, its the main theme again that comes again almost in its entirety, but it is in a much more upbeat, uh, uh, much more grandiose style, much more majestic style um, with some sort of little fanfares from the, from the cornets and the trombones. Um, just trying to give that sense of hope you know, God is with us, so we have hope um, for, for our future. And so that that takes us through all the way through into section E, when we're still going with this strength of today and bright hope for tomorrow theme. In section E, the first four bars, that comes back again. But this time, instead of reverting to the theme, we have um, "Great is Thy faithfulness, Lord unto me." Okay, so in the four in the four bars before section F. Um, the, the melody carries on as you would have expected it to in the, in the original tune of Greatest Thy Faithfulness. And that's where it ties up from the beginning. So from the past, in the strength of today, and in the hope for tomorrow, God is in that, and God's faithfulness um, is, is with us throughout everything. Um, and I think that's why, why this sort of piece at this time, um, hopefully... Um, can be something that people will listen to and get something out of because we need strength for today at this time and we know that god will give us hope for tomorrow so so that that phrase that point it becomes that personal great is thy faithfulness lord unto me um as we go into section f and then really section f is just that little coda where there's a couple of um, little references, so the trombones have the um, reference of the main theme there, um, and then finally, trombones and euphoniums um, with that is thy faithfulness" um, reference in the last two bars, tying it up, I think, neatly from what we've had at the beginning um, to take us into that final chord. And as you said, a really, really
0: poignant and perfect message for the situation we find ourselves in. That no matter what we face today. There's a bright hope for tomorrow. Uh, Before we move on, let's listen to that last section. to to break the mood and the atmosphere created there but thank you ever so much Paul, for your insight into the music and also thank you for the music and the message it contains (laughs) Um, and if you our listeners are uh, interested in hearing the whole piece uh, on the Birmingham Citadel Band Facebook page and YouTube channel the whole piece of music is on there with some reflective uh, words and some prayers as well if you wish to listen to the whole piece and think about those so thank you once again Paul for joining us it's been great to have you. Thank you. So before Paul leaves us I'm going to invite Nick back uh, into the interview. We have a question for you Nick. Oh goodness. This question comes from Matt Broome. <laughs> he says what are your thoughts on Salvation Army music being delivered by PDF rather than physical copies? <laughs>
1: Cheeky boy. Matt's one of my boys and he knows that I'm really trying to get music uh, delivered uh, really sensibly And efficiently and cheaply but it's not easy because of copyright and uh, I've worked together with uh, Trevor and we we have a plan going forward and the music secretaries over here and in the UK where it's going to happen one day but you've got to be careful how you distribute music so that we don't make illegal copies of it right absolutely
0: great Great. thank you so much and uh, if you do have any more questions please do continue to Type those in the comments, and we'll try and answer if we have any more at the end. But, without further ado, I think we should head into Band Masterminds now. Yeah. So I'm sure this is a section that you've been waiting for, Nick. Yeah, <laughs> dreading. All the best so to well, you. you said you were about an- out of 10 you were maybe a nine in terms of nervousness for the interview how nervous are you for bandmaster yeah,
1: about t- 10 and a half I, I just can't remember things that's my problem now i'm getting old okay well let's put that to the test so you'll have
0: exactly <laughs> one minute and 30 seconds to answer as many questions correctly as you can and then we'll toss up your score at the end it's gonna be a bit of quick counting and uh, see how you did so Without further ado, Nick simmons Smith, are you ready to play Bandmastermind? Yes. Well, your time starts now. What year did Dr. Stephen Cobb take over as bandmaster of the International Star Band?
1: 1994. Correct.
0: What is the closest tube station to the UK territorial headquarters? Elephant and Castle. Correct. SPNS is now uh, is based in London now on Tibetan Street. But what was the name of the street it was located on before this? Judge Street. Correct. Name one of the top two cornets in the ISB in 1967.
1: Uh, uh, Oh, um, uh, um, James Williams.
0: Incorrect, I'm afraid. We'll move on. The ISB recorded the original Heaton Collection double uh, disc CD with which other band?
1: Uh, Black Dyke.
0: Correct. The 2003 Centenary Concert of Eric Ball's birth was held in which UK city? Birmingham. Incorrect, I'm afraid. Other than James Williams, name one other person to have conducted a recording with Ergon Virtuosi Brass. Uh, uh, Pass. Okay, a tricky one, that. The 1997 National Brass Band Championships Gala Concert featured the ISB, Black Dyke and which other brass soloist?
1: Um, oh, pass.
0: Okay, what month was the ISB 120 celebrated in? May. Not quite close, though. Um And you, I believe this will be your final question. Oh, now, uh, so your final question I'll continue with. The Chicago Staff Band was formed in 1907. Can you name another staff band that was formed that year?
1: Um... Yes, I can. <laughs> Great. <laughs> uh, let's have a go. Let's say uh, the uh, German staff band.
0: Ah, oh, I'm afraid that was incorrect. So let's go through those questions you didn't quite get. Um, in 1967, uh, the top two corners of the ISB were Roland Cobb. I know, I know. At the 2003 centenary concert of Eric Ball's birth was held in Nottingham. Uh, Other than James Williams, uh, the only other person to have conducted a recording with Ergon Virtuasi Brass was Bram Gregson. Mm And in 1997 at the National Brass Band Championships Gala Concert, uh, the concert featured the ISB, Black Dyke and James Morrison. The ISB 120 was held in June. And you could have had for the other staff band that was uh, formed in 1907, you could have either had the Japanese staff band or the Canadian staff band.
1: We just celebrated fifty years, but I guess they were reformed, weren't they? That's, yeah, that was my other thinking good. with Canada.
0: Good questions. <laughs> good 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 questions. questions. <laughs> so that gives you a total of one, two, three, four, four correct, which is a pretty good score. Some <laughs> very challenging questions there, and uh, puts you about uh, bang average on the leaderboard. Yeah, <laughs> that's
1: about right.
0: So a really good. Thanks effort. for
1: being kind.
0: Thank you ever so much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure. have you here Um, and also for Paul. I don't know if Paul wants to just pop back. Oh, it's still here, which is great. And thank you both for you for joining us for our first ever episode of Fully Scored Live. Uh, Hopefully, if there's been a good reception, uh, we may be able to host another one, another point. But uh, that all it leaves for me to say is thank you so much for your time and your words and your insights. And um, is there anything that either of you would like to add before we go?
1: I just want to say thank you to you, Matthew, for for being kind. And I just love what you're doing with this podcast. And I think you should probably do more of these uh, video ones. It's so interesting for me to hear other people, not me, but uh, other people about how they became a Salvation Army musician and what it means to them. And and I appreciate Paul's music very much. He's just uh, writing so well. And it was really good to listen to that everlasting hope. What a good piece for these days.
2: Thanks, Nate, and thanks, Matthew, for for we do. It's been good to be yeah. with. You. Great, and thank you uh, to
0: all our listeners as well that have tuned in tonight, and uh, that perhaps are going to watch this at a point in the future. I believe it will stick around on the music editorial Facebook page. So, I believe that leaves all to say, uh, all we've got left to say, I should say, is good night and God bless. Thank you for joining us.